You know, it's BYOB around here. Bring your own boobs. Welcome in to the Bro for Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is episode 185, and I am your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. Thank you so much for joining us for the movie discussion tonight. Before we dive in, let's introduce the American hero, Nate Thurman. Nate, a food-themed episode tonight as it pertains to movies. So I got to ask you the a real-life food question. This Saturday, how much beer and barbecue are we going to consume? Uh, until they cut us off, um, at least for the beer portion. And um, there, there's what what Horns is uh, for referring to is this a barbecue and beer festival we're going to this weekend. So looking looking forward to this for a while. Excited. They did have an all you can eat option, which opted out of because I don't want to get. I love barbecue. Don't want to get full up on it because then I can't drink afterwards. So right. you gotta you gotta. You got to pick your battles. That's not safe for me. No, no, won't be. I don't have a, I don't have a thing called willpower. That is true. Typically a requirement with an all you can eat. I I fully expect us to be asked kindly to leave. I mean, it's outside. We make it a little rowdy and there's a concert afterwards. So God, there is Mm -hmm. my shirt might find its way off of me at some point. I will take it off you if we need. <laughs> or just when my gut gets so big that it doesn't <laughs> fit underneath it anymore. Oh, God. Milk was a bad choice. <sighs> Good segue. All right, here on the Bro 4 Squad podcast, we begin every episode with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chess day. And we had an idea this week for our chess day topic to discuss food in movies, specifically scenes that have really stuck with us over the years for positive or negative reasons. Um, Nate, I think the idea of food might have been yours, and then Ronnie Cycli chimed in with possibly like your most envious moments of meals that were served in movies. Yeah, we had some good we had some good riffs. Um, I'm honestly always thinking about food. Um, that's how I plan a lot of it. My vacations around food, where where the next place I'm going to eat. So um, it's kind of a easy easy segue. And then yeah, Ronnie Ronnie springboarded off of that nicely. And this is kind of where we've landed. So pretty excited to run through these these scenes of our past. Yeah, so basically it will be any scene in a movie that had a specific memory stick with you regarding a, a meal or food. It could be iconic because of the food or a meal that you were just like, damn, that looks good. I actually have a best and worst uh, dinner or meal, I guess, from a movie. And then some famous honorable mentions that I think we might have some interesting uh, insights. Yep. To. Yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> so I'll let you go first. Uh, good or bad regarding food? What uh, What's one of the first things that comes to your mind when you think of a specific movie scene or even just a movie in general and how food uh, stuck with you over the years? Uh, yeah, so this is one that Ronnie had actually mentioned, but – was already kind of percolating in my head too as I was thinking about all this stuff. We are both uh, big Harry Potter nuts, so um, the Great Hall in Harry Potter, like I mean, it, it's it's you see it so many times. That's it's so iconic to Harry Potter. Um, oh, yeah. But just having, I don't care, breakfast, lunch, I don't care. Just give me one meal in the Great Hall. Um, it's just filled to the brim with whatever you want. You can have all the butter beers you want. So um, let me ask a quick question about butter beers. I believe they're served at Harry Potter Land, mm-hmm. but get, seeing as how they're served to students at Hogwarts, are they alcoholic? 
Uh, I've always had the assumption that they were. And, you know, most of the kids are uh, like fifteen, sixty. Yeah, like, you know, so London, they can have beer. It's no big deal. Um, they really don't give a fuck over there. No, no. Um, but, yeah, just you always see Ron in there with his face stuffed and, you know, he's having a good time. And even when the kids are in a bad mood, they're always going to be in that hall um, eating up their favorite treats. So, um yeah, that, that, that'd be the probably my number one um, place it, I'd like to go have a meal sometime. It is, I think, iconic in the sense of, like, it it establishes a really good, like, vibe for, like, a, a cafeteria to give you sort of that school feel. Mm-hmm. But it also takes all of the mysticism and intrigue that Hogwarts has and kind of yeah. embodies that. And, and even outside of the food, I mean, just in and of itself, you have the floating candles above you. Look up, you see, um, if it's nighttime, you see the night sky in the ceiling. So... Um, yeah, like you were saying, like all the mysticism and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it's all encompassing, um, the atmosphere, the food, everything, the company you're, you're in a big room with witches and warlocks. Um, and I'm not the Potterhead like you and, and Cycli and even Banner are, but to my recollection too, some very crucial scenes in the series take place there, right? Like when they realize that Voldemort is back, isn't that where Dumbledore sort of makes the proclamation to the students is in the great hall. Yeah, I mean, from the beginning, the sorting hat is there. So um, some of Harry's first experiences with magic is, is there when um, a lot of the kids' destiny, not not necessarily destinies, but kind of their path is chosen since they're choosing the, the house they're in there. Um, and then, yeah, um, the, the fact that Voldemort is back is, is revealed there. Um, and then, I mean, part of the last big battle in the final final movie and book um, oh, yeah. are grouped around the Great Hall. Um so a lot of definitely a lot of pivotal scenes outside of just food. That's where the Hogwarts holds their all staff meetings. Mm-hmm. The, you know they'll have a have a few a uh, few family sized quiches out there. You know, just come in, dig in, maybe a few croissants. I noticed you didn't say the tea. Uh, is there a tea at the end? I don't. I don't think there is. Um. All right, that's a good one. Do you have any other ones for best ones, or should I get mine? Um, I'll do. I've got a few. I'll I'll throw the throw this one in there because this was kind of a tie, um, and it's just because spoiler. This is pretty high on my top one hundred. Oh. Um, just because I love this movie so much. Um, it's it's the fish tacos from I Love You Man at James Beach, and and, <laughs> and the cool thing about this. Yeah. Well, first of all, the fish tacos are the tits. So, um, yes. if anything is described as the tits, <laughs> I mean it's. I don't think you're going to top that with the other talk you have any, anywhere else. That's a chef's kiss type compliment. And the other thing, it, it's actually it actually references James Beach, was which is an actual restaurant there and um, on the boulevard there. So uh, if and when I ever make it out to there, uh, that part of the world, I will definitely be making a trip down there to have some fish tacos. Oh yeah. Also, just Jason Siegel freaking out at people on the boardwalk while his dog shits everywhere. <laughs> an iconic part. Of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the whole thing. The whole thing. It all wraps up nicely. They make the tortillas in-house. It really sets up the whole taco. <laughs> These are the tits. <clears throat> all right, my best meal uh, is one that I'm not even sure actually happened, Nate. And that is the Lost Boys dinner in Hook. This was the first one I, I thought of. Iconic. Yeah. yeah definitely. Iconic. This, this is where Pan um, sort of... Well, not even sort of. This is where he remembers how to be a lost boy, essentially. Mm-hmm. 
by using his imagination and that childlike whimsy that has left him and really put him in the predicament he's in with Captain Hook. Um, and I'll be honest, I've seen this scene. Th- this is like if you actually wanted to break this down on like a film school level, <laughs> I think it actually is pretty metaphorical and pretty deep. Like, I know it's probably been a while since you've seen the movie because it has been for me. Yeah. Do you think the meal actually happened? Uh, no, I, I don't, don't think so either. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't think it matters. And also, I, I do think too that they parents must have had an issue when this movie came out after that, <laughs> of like their kids trying to eat play-doh. Oh, because that's sure. basically what the food looks like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. I, I if I had to say, I would say the meal did not happen. But I mean, that's that's what the whole scene is about. It's about Peter. Uh, coming to the realization of using his imagination and going back to his roots and really becoming Peter Pan. So uh, it's more, it's more symbolic than anything. Um, but it's yeah. just such, such a fun scene and them describing all the foods and everything. You almost start like tasting them oh. in your mouth as you're watching Dude, them and they're not smell. even there. Yeah. Yeah. They're not even there, but you, you're, you're in the moment with them. You, you feel, you can get like the mouth feel, the taste and everything like shit. And now they're just throwing Play-Doh, which looks fun as hell. And one of the most, and this would be a fun list to put together at some point, but one of the most iconic food fights, I think, ever devoted to film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I mean, that'd least, be a good one. That'd be a good, that good be list fun. to put together for sure. All right, do you have any other positive ones? Because the other one I have is a negative before we get to the honorable mentions. Um, I do, but we can. I've got two that we can just include in the honorable mentions as well. Okay. Um. So the first one is the dehydrated, nearly exploding <laughs> turkey from Christmas Vacation, where when Clark cuts into it, it like releases this gaseous substance because <laughs> it's been overcooked so much. And the best part is they still try to eat it. Yeah, they're like it's like a brittle almost after that. Yeah, the uh, the aftermath of that and. It... It's it's kind of cringeworthy from like an ASMR standpoint, like the after yeah. the scene after that of them chewing and like just hear <laughs> utensils click and them like trying to gnaw on this brittle of turkey. Um, but yeah, that that thing is is toast and it's not something I want to ingest in my body. Um, and it it takes I think it takes place at a point too in the the movie where Clark has not quite hit his breaking point yet. But it's definitely one of the things that really nudges him close to the edge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, something that I spent all day on. Um, a lot of shit has already gone wrong up to this point. So he's – this is like his the, – the the one straw that breaks the camel's back because he's he's kind of relying on this turkey to kind of carry him through the rest of the night. I know. We, and then that we just needed, fucking kills it. We needed a win. Um, and yeah. also the gross part with the jello mold. Yeah, with the cat food in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just an all around, yeah, all around bad scene for that. Um, one other negative one I wanted to bring up, not very long because I don't want to ruin this particular food for people, uh, <laughs> but I, you probably remember this. Have you seen the movie Matilda? Yeah. Do you remember the cake scene? Oh, I absolutely remember the cake scene. <laughs> I mean, you know that I've consumed many a cake in my life, so I don't want to say that that scene ruined cake for me. But I definitely took a little hiatus after that. So it's funny. I'll go ahead and bring this up because I had this on on the good scene only, not because it wasn't gross (laughs) and everything. 
But if you go back and look at that cake, that is one of the most moist fucking cakes. That cake actually, it looks so good. So if but you just you know why I know, <laughs> yeah. If you just look at the the moistness of the cake, man, that I could be fooled by it. So I don't blame that kid. I would have eaten it too. Yeah, <laughs> but then to the end of the scene, you're basically wanting to throw up with him. I mean, again, didn't ruin cake for me at all. No, no, I still had still had plenty of cake. Don't take a yeoman's effort. All right, what else you got? Uh, yeah, the last one I had. So we'll go into the honorable mentions on this one. Um, this would just be a very interesting environment to be in. To have a very dialed in and precise meal. And that would be the Goodfellas prison dinner scene when they're making the making the potato sauce the tomato sauce with the uh, with the spaghetti and all that um like in the prison and they're making probably a tomato sauce or gravy as they like to call it that's probably been handed down for generations so you know it's dialed Mm in um and you just get so many iconic moments from that scene as well like him slicing up the garlic with a razor blade getting it so thin that as he says it it basically dissolves into the into the sauce, which would be awesome. Can't really do that. I wish you could. That'd be awesome. Um, but I, I just, I, I know that. God, once you see that scene, like you can taste the sauce in your mouth. I just like want it so bad. I just know it's quintessential Italian spaghetti sauce. Sounds awesome. Wild uh, thing to say here. I've never seen Goodfellas. I mean. There's, you bring up movies all the time that I've ever seen. I'm like, I probably should have seen that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, know how. I blame my parents. How how they fuck that up? Goodfellas, yeah. That, that's a that's a good one. R.I.P. Ray Liotta recently passed away. Yeah, so. man. I was sad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. That was a big one. That was a big one. But <laughs> one of those scenes that you watch, and I just want to be right in there with him, spooning up a nice meatball and spaghetti. Sounds like you can taste the scene, which is... Yes, one of those. Tea. Absolutely. All right, I have a list of honorable mentions. So just anything that you think of when you think of this, because I have a few thoughts. Let's hear it. First off, the movie Ratatouille introduced Mm -hmm. me to the dish Ratatouille, which typically I don't think I would like, but the way that it looks in that movie is delicious. Yeah. um, It's basically like a vegetable casserole, right? Yeah, Ratatouille may have introduced me to Ratatouille as well. Um, And... I like cooking. I like trying to cook new things. I don't know if I'd ever want to cook this. It looks like a pain in the ass. Yeah, but I bet it's, it's good. it is a chore. Yeah, all very, the layering, very thinly like sliced. Um, I think they have like squash in it. I think it's like squash, potatoes, tomatoes, peppers. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like I almost wouldn't want to eat it after it comes out. It looks so beautiful. Yeah, it looks it's, good. It is like, a, like the spiral design and everything. Is a work of art. Yeah. I always just thought, though, even like I hadn't even heard of the dish. And then when when I saw the movie, I was like, oh, so th- it's like a dual meaning. Like he's a rat. Mm-hmm. And then ratatouille is actually like a he's real a rat dish. making ratatouille. Do you get Genius. it? Genius. Uh, I'll have to look it up later. Another one, maybe a top five most, maybe even more than that, most iconic food scenes of all time. The spaghetti scene in Lady and the Tramp. One hundred percent. I mean, it, it ties in. I mean, three really great things: love, dogs, and spaghetti or food. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's pretty much a perfect scene, maybe. Yeah, it really you could is. Argue that. I hadn't seen the live action one yet. Uh, it was, I know it came on Disney Plus a few years ago, but I don't envy them trying to because you obviously have to recreate it. 
Yeah. And I mean, it's it just that everyone's just, yeah, not going to play off as well. Um, but yeah, that, that's one of those uh, famous pop culture ones. I mean, just everyone knows that scene. Yeah. It's, it's so and, high up there. And that meatball looks so good. <sighs> Another one. And even it's a cartoon, but you still feel like you can taste that meatball. I want to taste that meatball. Uh, the flip side of spaghetti, the <laughs> disgusting spaghetti scene in Elf. Where Will Ferrell, I believe I read he actually threw up from having to eat that. Like the syrup yeah. and all that shit on the spaghetti. Yeah, we've talked about this off pod just amongst ourselves before, but getting older and saying things are sometimes too sweet. And as I get older, looking at this scene just like makes me gag as sweet yeah. as all that would be. I don't. Yeah, the, the comedic effect of it now is outweighed by how like it makes my stomach churn. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't it would not settle well. Another one, this is more just like the ambiance, but uh, Jack Rabbit Slims from Pulp Fiction. That scene always makes me want a milkshake. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'm sure the food is great, the other food that is there. But yeah, a milkshake would be the one thing I would want from there. Um, and yeah, outside of the food, it's just a part of the movie. Maybe, maybe the most iconic scene from that movie. Yeah, I'd say it's really where the movie like really picks up its momentum. Oh, because like that, someone almost that, dies. Right. That night <laughs> shit just gets goes from six to midnight. Yeah. Yeah. And but I really, love a good themed diner. Yes. Yeah. A good themed diner. Um really fun interactions between Travolta and and, Th- and Thurman. Mm-hmm. Um get some f- funny, maybe impromptu dancing out there. But and a sexual tension where the whole time the audience is like, please don't. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do you'll, it, bro. You'll regret it. <laughs> you don't want that. Yeah. And I don't want to see what's going to happen to you if you do. Um, another one that I actually hadn't seen personally, but every list I had included this, and I wanted to bring it up because <laughs> it's very bro. But if you if you look it up, from Saturday Night Fever, apparently there's a scene also starring John Travolta where his character buys two slices of pizza, stacks them on top of each other, and then folds them and eats them. Uh, well, we're in the same boat. I have never seen this as well, but that has taken pizza to a new level. I've seen, I've seen the fold. I've done the fold yeah. depending on the pizza. If I'm, a, if I'm mobile, then I want to uh, be able to eat that on the move. <laughs> if we're um, in transit, but the double stack fold. So like you get like four layers when you bite into it. Yeah. He's bait. Yeah. And I think if you, if you Google it, it people were just going crazy at the time. And I, when he did it. That's crazy because when, when that movie came out, like the 70s, 80s, right? 70s. Yeah, I think it was before Greece, actually. Yeah. So uh, or maybe right after, I'm not sure. I'm surprised that hasn't been like put in as like another movie trope in other places that I haven't that I've seen. Um being such from an iconic movie from that time and having such a big movie star in it. I don't know if I would try it though, because I feel like I'm not appreciating the slices, you know? I like to really enjoy my pizza. Yeah, at that point, you're kind of just gorging yourself. Which <laughs> I'm, I'm not opposed to oh. gluttony. Don't, I've been there. It. Yeah. I'll, I will be there again soon. <laughs> Another one, I really just want to ask if you've ever tried this, but of course it is, is iconic as well. I'd put it right up there with Lady of the Tramp, and that's Rocky Balboa uh, consuming raw eggs as part of his workout. Have you ever dared try this? I have not. 
No, and I don't know if it's a trope. I mean, they have it in uh, Beauty and the Beast as well. Uh, Gaston eating. Oh, that's right. Three dozen eggs. Yeah, Gaston's cholesterol is through the fucking roof. It's probably not great. No, he's just eating that and and deer meat and elk um, and drinking beer all the time. So it's uh, he probably has some health concerns that they haven't realized at at this point in time in in France. But he's gonna die at thirty seven, which actually. if France at the time might be old age. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to catch up to him. I don't know if this is kind of just like a a tropey thing at this point, or if there actually is like some benefit to eating raw eggs. I don't I don't get it. I believe I've looked it up, and it's. I mean, I can't imagine that form of consumption would help you any more than just cooking them and eating them. Well, you're not supposed to. I, I thought consuming raw eggs was bad for you as well. Right. So I don't really. Oh, that's why they say don't, don't eat cookie dough, like raw cookie dough, because there's eggs in it. But no one obe- obeys that, and no one's died, so I don't think. Yeah, the fact they even have the balls to put that on the cookie dough package, just like bro. And now they just sell cookie dough that you're supposed to eat cold yes. as cookie dough. Doesn't make any fucking sense. Last no. one. I want to get your take on this. I know you're very into traveling, very into trying exotic foods. Uh, in Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, the iconic scene where the they have the snakes for dinner, and of course they cut open the snake and find all the little baby snakes slithering. Snakes personally creep me out. I'm not I'm not going to act like in the right circumstance I wouldn't try them as a delicacy in the right situation. But the scene in the in the movie obviously it's meant to creep you the fuck out. I'm with India. Yeah. I would try them there. Would you ever try something like snake? That is tough. Um... Because I always want to say I'll try different foods. Um, snakes, I that may be like my one phobia is yeah. snakes. Like straight up. like The way they I move, I just don't fucking trust it. I don't like uh, – Miss. I mean uh, Miss Thurman makes fun of me all the time because I don't even like seeing them on TV. I don't like seeing them in movies. I don't like seeing pictures of them. It freaks Same. me out. It's that my bad. Yeah. I don't know if I could stomach eating a snake and when it was a snake just because my phobia is like so high. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, it's been a, too long since I've seen in Temple of Doom, but I believe in the scene it's like an anaconda that they cut open and it reveals the, the still alive babies. That sounds right. I know it's like a, a larger species of snake, so I, th- I think you're right on that. Is that the same scene where he, he's offered monkey brains? That's tough. I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I haven't seen this in a while. Um, I mean, it would make sense. Unless they, they kind of just go through the movies and make him eat weird things from time to time. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, so snakes, I, I believe Indy maybe ends up eating them. I can't remember. A lot of that movie is him overcoming his fear, so perhaps he yeah. does. But yeah, snakes, I'm unfortunately probably out on. Probably out. All right, food in movies. Before we move on, Nate, um, obviously two of your favorite things. Uh, mm-hmm. what about these scenes do you think makes them so memorable for you is it where you were at the time the sort of visceral feel of food in movies or is it anything like specific to humor maybe with I love you man more so than the others uh, yeah I mean with all these it's kind of a, a, a different mix of why these mean so much um, Harry Potter just growing up watching the movie uh, reading the books first and then watching the movies uh, I was just so invested and then tie-in food with that i'm gonna love it so the main part mm-hmm. the main tie-in for food 
in Harry Potter is going to be a huge attraction for me. Yeah, uh, uh, I love you, man. Uh, it's kind of a mix of knowing like, oh, this is a real place. These fish tacos are real. Um, it's kind of that allure now. Like, yeah. I, this is something attainable for me. And yeah, it's just fucking Jason Siegel um, and Paul Rudd just riffing out each other the whole time. And um, but, but the basis of it is like, he goes there because of the, the fish tacos. They leave. Paul Rudd is over the moon because of the tacos. Like it continues to the yeah. whole thing. It's not just a small part of that scene. It is the whole scene, and it continues even further than that. Yeah, um, so it makes you believe it a little more. So, I mean, that, yeah, there's a lot of things um, that also contribute. Fish tacos are just so bro. Oh yeah. I mean, that is like a very bro lunch or dinner to get. Yeah, I'll take the fish tacos, bro. Now I want some fish tacos. All right, the second part of our show is our protein shake. Mm-hmm. We go around and talk about what's in our cup, also known as what have we watched lately. I know for sure we've seen one thing together. It's currently airing, if we want to briefly talk about it. We'll, we'll touch on it. Yeah, I was planning on touching on it without giving too many spoilers. Yeah, because yeah. we are going to do, I think, just a full review when it's all over on one of our episodes. And then yeah, I've definitely. seen four other things, so I don't know how many you have, but we can go back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, let's do that. I've got about the same amount. All right, why don't you start us off? What's in your um, So you want to leave the crossover for last? Yeah, might as well. Okay. Um, so this will be short because I've only seen one episode of it so far. Um, I'll just kind of briefly touch on it. But Stranger Things, Season 4, Episode 1. Um, man, they're getting Is dark. Is this supposed to be the final season? I know they're dropping it in two parts. I think so. Okay. This first episode, I mean, it gets... I'm going to say it gets well into the horror genre. Interesting. Like it was obviously you had some scary scenes when it first came out. It was kind of geared maybe more towards a, a younger audience. They surpassed that in this um, opening scene. I don't want to give any, I won't give any spoilers away, but opening scene pretty disturbing. Um, and then just throughout it, there were, uh, there's frightening scenes. There's times where I felt, mildly uncomfortable i don't like horror anyway um but first episode was great though um and i know steven stephen king was just on twitter like yesterday or the day before saying like oh this is like the greatest season so like if that tells you anything kind of the direction they're going stephen king loves it (laughs) are they doing uh because kind of the template for harry potter which i loved was like as the kids grew up and progressed through the story yeah so inherently would the subject matter Mm -hmm. sort of mature mature with them, do you feel like that's kind of what they're doing with the show, or is it just like it's the last season, we've got to pull out all the stops? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both, uh, but definitely I, I see that with like the kind of the same Harry Potter style, getting a little darker as the as the audience gets a little older. Um, but yeah, interested. There's kind, they're kind of there's one thing that they're going kind of a certain direction with a character we're, we're not too familiar with, um, but it's kind of opening up some things in the past with a little twist. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited for this one. It's it's getting dark and disturbing for sure. Um, I believe the second part drops in July, so I actually think I might catch up before that happens. Because it's it. only three seasons, right? Uh, should, yeah. Should yeah, be. Three. Mm-hmm. Should be able to pull that off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I watched the original Top Gun in preparation for Top Gun Maverick, which I'll talk about in a second. Oh, gee. I need to go. Yeah, I need to go do the same thing before I watch the new one. Yeah, it's it had been a while. And like, obviously, I've seen it several times. 
Um, but I was thinking, you know, like you were sort of alluding to, before I go watch the new one, might as well just refresh myself in case they make any references or uh, they try to pull on any emotional threads that I just want to make sure they're attached to something. Yeah. This is streaming on Paramount Plus currently, if anyone has that. And I have to say, man, the soundtrack and the score to this are more awesome than I even remember. I cannot imagine it being the summer of 1986 and you go to the movie theater and don't know what's about to hit you and fucking highway to the danger <laughs> zone comes out. I mean, Jesus Christ. We would have been doing fucking beer bongs in the stairwell. Like, just <laughs> I can, yeah, out I can of, only imagine. And then Tom Cruise fucking shows up with a jean jacket and his, or excuse me, a leather jacket and his fucking motorcycle. It's like, what are we doing here? This is incredible. Yeah, I get kind of jealous, especially specifically for like the OG Star Wars trilogy. And mm-hmm. because I think Top Gun kind of falls into the same category. Um, it's such a iconic pop culture phenomenon. Like growing up, we, even before we saw it, we knew about it. We saw scenes, we saw clips and things like that. But like going to the movie theater for the first time, like in that time, in that time period in the 80s and like seeing that shit, like it must have been like, so mind blowing. It was, must have been fucking awesome. Like I mean, there's no the way you, there's no way you could have known it's gonna have be like this big of a pillar in pop culture. But you must have known, like, dude, we just saw something pretty fucking special right there. Yeah, the movie itself is good. I mean, it's not like an incredible movie. I would say, um, and I'll actually get into this in a second with the sequel. But its impact on not only cinema but like fashion and music, it, it's, I mean. It's not even debatable. It's it's pretty profound. And so going back to revisit it, that it's just a really fun bro summer movie that is still a blast today. Like it, it's actually not like cringeworthy when you go back and rewatch it. Everything in it is well made enough, and enough care and effort is put into it to where you're like, this is just a fun, good film. Yeah, uh, it's on Paramount Plus. So I'm gonna go back back and watch that. Yeah, and I actually watched it, and pretty vain of me, but I listened to it with uh, the movie commentary that Ooh. we currently have up that nice. Brian Banner and Matt Geiger did. Like so. two years ago? <laughs> yeah. Or three years ago? <laughs> it was three years ago. It was, yeah, 20, it was late 2018. Because oh, the, tr- wow. the first teaser had just dropped. Um, wow, that's crazy. The other problem with it, though, is I didn't realize that my, I was listening to it on Apple Podcasts, I didn't realize that my Apple podcast was set to one and a quarter speed. Oh, wow. So I, kept, I kept being like, why are they getting so far ahead of me? So like like one and a quarter, like you could not even like tell at that Yeah, point. but it, but it is nice because like it, you can still hear everything people say on that speed, but like you get yeah. through your podcast a little bit quicker, you know, which yeah, is nice. that's nice. But I, I, they, kept, they kept referencing a scene. I was like, I'm not quite there yet. What the fuck? Almost. Almost. And when I realized it, I was like, you're a dumbass. Ah, uh, damn it. <laughs> that's funny. Um. I'll just mention this next one because it ties in perfectly, but I then went to go see Top Gun Maverick in mm. theaters, which I actually need to show you. They gave me... Um, oh, you told me they got a poster? Yeah, a promo poster that's badass. Nice. And then like a little pin that I guess like a pilot would pin to his jacket. Oh, so like the wings? Yeah, I think so. <sighs> yeah. Which like, uh, okay, you'd already won me over going in. <laughs> um, All right, you put me back to a 10-year-old. I love it. And it's getting great reviews. And I got to say, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie like that's good to hear yeah such a fucking blast then you get five stars on letterbox it's already nominated for bros best picture in the broskers next year um the the plot is really smart and actually involves 
a legitimate mission, and I think everything in it kind of makes sense as far as how they get Maverick back to the Academy. Yeah. They do a great job tying into, like, the legacy characters. There's some cool relationship stuff with some new characters. I mean, everything in it worked for me, and uh, normally when these movies take, like, we talked about it with Dumb and Dumber 2, and I think a few others where it takes, like, 15 or 20 plus years to make the sequel, you're just like, I don't know, man, is the magic gone? Yeah. What are we doing here? With this one, I actually think Top Gun Maverick is a better, it's a superior movie to Top Gun. Wow. And I don't really think it's that close, but Top Gun has the advantage of it It just changed film and, and pop culture, so you get, it gets sort of... Yeah, yeah. after, even before you saw it, saw a ton of reviews coming out from, I mean, people who saw it before it actually released in theaters, but man i was like i was kind of skeptical about the about the rave reviews but now friends going to see it and everything and like it's, it's still holding up so i know um the wife was actually wanting to see this too so we'll probably see it sometime this week so really excited yeah. to go watch it go see it on a on a screen i went to the uh the dolby cinema at amc because they have like mm-hmm. the insane audio Ooh. which okay. was pretty sick like as the like all the their pilots are maneuvering and stuff it sounds oh, nice bad. Sweet. Can't so wait. definitely one, obviously, you want to see in theaters. I'm sure this will be on Paramount Plus 2 at some point yeah. later this summer. But oh, yeah, I'm sure. The big screen treatment. Yeah. All right, what else you got? Um, after, after you mentioned it on, uh, I guess it was just your protein shake last week or whenever it was, went back and rewatched because I've only seen it once before, Crazy Stupid Love. So good. Yeah, it was good. It was very enjoyable. Uh Love, I mean, I forgot so much of it just because I hadn't seen it in a while. But yeah, love the small little twist where Gosling is actually dating uh, Steve Carell's daughter that added for a nice little mix. That seems <laughs> just perfectly put together. Everybody <laughs> shows up and you're like, why are you here? What the hell is he doing here? <laughs> David Lindhog? No. He takes his ring off. <laughs> when David Lindhagen shows up, you're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> Hey, you left and your like, sweater in my car. And yeah, Gosling's character is the first one to go after him. Like, not <laughs> Carell's comes over afterwards, but like immediately, he's just like so pissed at what Lynn Hagen did to Steve Carell's character. He's like, no, fuck like, this. I love when they're at the bar and he's like, you know, my wife cheated on me with. He goes, David Lynn Hagen? Yeah, I know. The whole bar knows because you've been talking about it for two straight nights. How do you, how, you know how I know that? <laughs> That's all you've been <laughs> how saying. How would I know something so deeply personal about <laughs> your life? <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's nice, it's compact, um, it's easy to follow through. But um, it has, I don't know if it's like predictable character arcs, but they're nice character arcs. I like I like where they go. I like obviously Steve Carell's character and then Ryan Gosling's character where they're where they start from, where they go, and where they where they kind of end up. So um, it was just a nice, lovely movie. Um, now, obviously, we talked about it. it's in my top one hundred. I've not gotten to it yet. Mm-hmm. It's very high. The only thing that I don't like in the movie is his son's character arc. Yeah, I agree. I, I, can, I can get on board with that. Yeah. Everything else is great. And Marissa Tomei is so fucking hilarious. <laughs> she, yeah, she, God. The, the weird aspect of her getting turned on by him telling her the truth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like such a weird trope to throw in there. <laughs> when they go to the parent-teacher conferences and Julianne Moore goes, what's going on? And he leans in and goes, she's an alcoholic. <laughs> she's an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> she just loses it. He just pulls that out of his back pocket. He's like, well, I know this about her. <laughs> she what used can to I be weaponize against her? I'm going to buy you a drink. 
Can I get you anything? <laughs> nope, no, go away forever. <laughs> yes, his his early attempts at hitting hitting on girls is I have fantastic. On. I have a shirt, a vest, a jacket. It's just Great sweat. Film. From here down is sweat. Trapped. And it's trapped in. <laughs> Great movie. David Lindhagen, too, also incredible name. Yes. No, nice little surprise appearance. With and Kevin Bacon Kevin is that Bacon. perfect combination of like, I should hate you, but you're so goddamn endearing. As we're watching this, Miss um, Thurman always has some interesting quotes. Um, she she realized it was Kevin Bacon, and she's like, he has such a Kevin Bacon face. I'm like, well, it's him. <laughs> so <laughs> That would explain him being Kevin Bacon. <laughs> you nailed it. I think Tony Hawk always tweets people like, "Do people ever tell you you look like Tony Hawk?" And he goes, "All the time, all the time." Yeah, his yeah his tweets are great when people kind of recognize him. Yeah, but not really. <laughs> not enough to like be like, "You're Tony Hawk, aren't you?" That's good stuff. All right, I saw the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. Had a buddy at work telling me about this, um, and I only remember that because the title was very confusing, and mm-hmm. that title you just said was really confusing. So, saw this one in theaters. It's been getting rave reviews. It's an A24 film starring Michelle Yeoh that is basically a multiverse movie about a small business owner and her family um, who go to the IRS office to meet with Jamie Lee Curtis because they have some issues with their, um, I guess, tax return that they submitted as a small business. Yeah. And some things ensue, and Michelle Yeoh's character gets taken into the multiverse and craziness occurs um i did not know this was an a24 yeah (laughs) which is i think definitely part of the appeal and i gotta say this movie is really resonating with a lot of people people are saying it's like one of their top three movies of all time it nothing in this worked for me at all really one of the most painfully unfunny movies i've ever seen wait was it supposed to be funny I mean, there are some insane attempts at humor in this, like wild off the wall, almost like Burger King commercial type humor. Because like hearing about this, I, I like I said, I heard one guy talk about it. I, I don't know much about this. I don't know if it's drama comedy. I don't know what like the genre is. I would say it's science fiction comedy drama. Hmm. None of it worked way too wacky and out there for me. And when it tries to be emotional, it it's doesn't put in that effort to earn anything. It goes for like over the top visuals that just uh, almost walked out of the theater twice. And maybe really? I'm, the, I know this has worked for a lot of people. It's creative. I'll give it that. But, uh, God, I was miserable. So I haven't seen too many a 24 movies. Um, I was just pulling some up. Actually, I've seen a few more than I thought. Maybe the first miss in your opinion for them that you've that seen. I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see, um, the Green Knight, that Dev Patel okay. movie, which I know some people were. Yeah. No, okay, uh, I gotcha. But I've seen Hereditary, Midsommar, and X, which I actually liked all three of those quite a bit. Lady Bird, apparently, is one. Oh, yeah. I love Lady Bird. Yeah, so, Lady Bird was good. Um, I know, I know Cycle has said this one, and I watched it after he recommended it, but The Lighthouse would recommend that one. Mm, I have not it's seen weird. It weird as shit, but I liked it. But again, when, so I'm complaining I didn't like this movie. I We need A24 because 
they're making shit that no one else has the balls to make, and I don't want True. that to stop. So this is, yeah. again, not a hit for me at all. I thoroughly hated it, but there's still like four of five from what I've seen. So keep at it. They're not all going to be hits. For those people who enjoyed everything, everywhere, all at once, I'm very happy for you. I don't ever want anyone to dislike their time at the movies. But yeah. uh, for me, this was utterly miserable. Um I always reference, damn it, I just closed it out. But my top 100 movies, or sorry, yeah, my top 100 movies list of all time, I think you've done yours the same way, Nate. We basically put together a spreadsheet as we've seen, you know, every movie in our life. And Mm -hmm. so we essentially have like a ranking, one through, you know, whatever the bottom one would be. And, okay, now mine loaded. Let me tell you where everything, everywhere, all at once ranked if fucking Google spreadsheets will load. Yeah, while you're doing that, I'll add some filler um, because I was just looking up A24 and just seeing kind of their catalog of work. Didn't know Euphoria. They, uh, they're they involved, at least in season two, they have listed oh, interesting. here. I didn't know they did any TV at all. Yeah, they've got that. They've got some other stuff I haven't heard of. But yeah, Euphoria, which it's weird. So it fits in with what they're doing. It's kind of out there, kind of taboo. So... Everything, everywhere, all at once. 1,049 out of 1,098. Not great. It's just ahead of The Hangover Part 2. Okay. All right. Well, better luck next time. But again, that's okay. People, A lot of people love this movie. That's awesome. It didn't work. That is true. To each their own. Yeah. I only have one more thing that we didn't share, so why don't you just empty out yours? Okay, I'll run through. Yeah, I just have two more left and then our, our crossover, so I'll kind of empty these out real quick. Uh, this isn't a one that you go back to and watch very often because it's long as fuck. Um, but I actually think I talked to you about this over the weekend. Uh, me and the wife went back and watched Titanic. Oh, um, yeah. I know it does get – I mean there's some parts of the movie that get some criticism and, and things, but – Overall, I still really enjoy this movie. Um, it it gives you a nice mix of historical accurate events um, and kind of some things when it came out um, that were developing, um, like the p- people actually going down and looking at the Titanic and having technology good enough to get down to that that depth of the ocean. Um, and that's always in- intrigued me, and I love seeing the actual photos and actual videos of that kind of stuff. Um, and then the story is just great. You get a young Leonardo DiCaprio with Kate Winslet, um, both young, um, earlier in their careers, um, youthful, energetic, good. I think it's a good love story. It's it's kind of interesting since it's so compact and has to be fit within 48 hours or whatever. Right. Uh, but I think they do a good job of that and, and, and filling that in there. Sex symbol Billy Zane, obviously. Sex symbol Billy Zane. He's an asshole in this one, but, you know, some sometimes you got to be an asshole. Uh, it's a different time. Commentary. We remember him. Uh, we kept like making up quotes he probably had at the time. He's like, "Guys, not only am I always going to be on top of Hollywood, I'm never going to go bald." <laughs> What's well, a weird thing two, to say? But okay, yeah, two things you can guarantee you, just like tax and death. Death. Take them. Yeah, to the fucking bank right Take now. Take to the bank right now. Um, and then this scene is still weird. <laughs> She kind of just lets him go. I think there's still, I think there's room on the on the plank that she's floating on the door, or whatever. But 
whatever. Um, he, but I, mean, I just think was was worried they were moving too fast, so he's like, you know what, I'll just die in the Atlantic Ocean. It's fine. Yeah, he's like, I'll I'll take one for the team. Um, but yeah, the 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 scenes in this and the background behind like how they shot these and like these big ass like water tanks inside these buildings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, and just knowing like the behind the scenes stuff um, that went into the movie. James Cameron is known for um, big budget going a little over the top. But were you on the episode when Cycli told the story about how the cast and crew was poisoned? That sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't know if I was on the episode. So they've never actually pinpointed who, but they believe it was someone who was uh, fired from the crew. Oh, wow. But it was not a day that Leonardo DiCaprio, I think they were filming the like contemporary stuff where like the crew actually goes and explores like the wreckage. Mm hmm. So it was that crew or that cast. It was like um, uh, Bill Paxton and those Bill guys. Paxton, but, yeah. But someone had poisoned the catering that they had. Oh damn! Like laced it with acid and like holy shit! People ended up in the hospital, tripping balls. Yeah, that'd be a little freaky, not yeah. knowing it's coming and just all of a sudden you're on a different planet. Yeah, and there's some like kind of wild stories from while they were in the hospital, <laughs> like people doing wow. things, but just a wild. The, the, the whole film, everything about it is just like iconic and so yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah, production is great. Um, yeah, did did a really really good job, and uh, yeah, I just like something that's fairly historically accurate, and I think for the most part it is. Also, let's talk about what's really important. Possibly the first boobs I ever saw on screen. So funny you mentioned that. And, uh, yeah, there's a there's a fun. I don't know if it's a fun background story, but um, whenever this first came out, I remember <laughs> me and my mom went to go to the movie theater, and uh, my we ended up seeing a different movie because I heard this was kind of scary, and I was like nine, and so like you pulled that, the plug, a, you a boat a boat sinking, and like that yeah. like that like caused me like stress. I think, but my mom went, went to go see it. I don't think she knew there were boobs in it at the time, and I always regret that now. Well, it's I, I don't know how they got away with it, but it is rated PG thirteen, and there is, I mean, there's full frontal nudity. I mean, oh, 100%. I guess not full frontal, but yeah, I mean, it, someone bribed someone at the MPAA, and it it was a game changer for us as kids. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it delayed me seeing those boobs for a while, and I always look back on that. I can't even remember what movie we ended up seeing, but well, it didn't have boobs in it. Damn it. Because not only do you see her like naked as he's painting her, but then they keep showing the painting. The painting? And like 10, 11 year old me, that's plenty. Oh, that's trust me. <laughs> that's more, that's, we that's more than oh. enough. Yeah. That's more than enough. Yeah. And like by the time it, it shows up, your mom, it's too late. She can't have covered your eyes. You still no. saw you saw some nipple at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's just a little little background story. Check out our, uh, our movie commentary on Titanic. Long, of course, but mm-hmm. one of our one of my favorites that we've done. Yeah. Um, the last thing I will move on to is um, I, I may have mentioned this on another pod, but watching The Wire, the HBO series, for the first time. Oh yeah. So I'm into season two. Um, I'm really enjoying it. You kind of have, to, I mean, kind of like The Sopranos too. If you go back and watch that. Um, you kind of got to get in the mindset of like the technology at the time. They use a lot of pay phones and that kind of stuff. Honestly, whenever people have like suggested me watching this and be like, how oh, you got to kind of take some liberties with this. 
I don't think it like puts me out of it much. I just can accept like that's the time and that's what they're using, using pagers and, and uh, pay phones and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, the really show, great. I've only heard good things about it. Um, yep. It, it like was, I don't know if where it falls in like the pantheon of HBO series, but it was kind of at that time where, and I guess we're still sort of living there just with, um, uh, less quantity, but this one HBO could do no wrong on TV. Sex in the City, Sopranos, The Wire, Oz, like get out of their way. Yeah, and the funny thing, this is the thing I'll leave with. I won't get too much into the show, but there have been. It, it's funny watching this old show. I haven't seen it before, and now seeing like gifs that I use on on oh, probably yeah. a daily <laughs> basis. Like I'm like, oh, that's where it came from. I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna paste one of them here in the uh, chat. Actually, I'm gonna paste two. There's one. Um, and this is Weebay from the show for anyone who's watched it. That is one, and I've seen that a million times. And then this is the second one. Oh, that's one. from The Wire? Yeah, that's from The Wire. And then this one oh, as well, yeah. which I started using this one quite a bit too, and it's just kind of like a shrug off, like, huh, whatever. Um, but it's Weebay as well when he's being interrogated. But two good gifs I got from The Wire. <laughs> Yeah, that first one is like probably one of the top five oh, most yeah. used. See that used all the time. But oh. yeah, it's funny, funny going back and like seeing these their origin. It's crazy how if you become a GIF, you're immortalized. Like that's oh yeah, it. yeah. You you've uh, you stamped your place in history. You're there forever. But that's it. Uh, so for how me. far into the wire are you right now? Season two. Just just crossed over to season two. I think there's five seasons total. So season two, like episode two. Interesting. We know how that ends. It's always fun to go back and revisit a show that you just always like. I never saw Lost, mm-hmm. so even though like I've heard kind of about what happens, yeah, like, getting to go revisit it for me for the first time, like twenty years after the fact, is something I'm kind of looking forward to at some point. Yeah, no, I think it's fun. Lost is last thing. Yeah, last thing I saw before we get our crossover. I uh, actually just before we potted tonight, finished this, but I watched Morbius. The uh, Jared Leto. Wait, for the first time? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I've heard it's shit. It? No, I've heard it's shit. It's pretty bad. Okay. Um, there's some really interesting visuals in it, though. Like, I actually love the look of Morbius. Hmm. Um, and there's, like, some pretty graphic kills in this thing. But at the end of the day, it's just, like, so unoriginal and cliche. And, like, really, you can predict everything within the first five minutes. Like, when they introduce any character, you can already tell what their fate is going to be. And it's very ambitious, tries to set up a couple different ideas for sequels. But I think the thing that had me most intrigued about this, and it definitely um, uh, did not let me down, was the mid credit scene to it is, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. Um, there is no way that what Morbius is trying to tell you they're going to do next, there's no way they'll be able to do it. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Number one, based on an actor who shows up in it. And number two, it just doesn't make sense. So, okay. So hmm. I, I, thought, I thought it was pretty funny. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll have to give this a go at some point. Just it being a Marvel installation. So, yeah, it's pretty short. Um, and then I'm trying to, I think his name's Matt Smith, maybe Ben Smith. I can't remember. Milo. Yeah, Matt Smith. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, Matt Smith. He's actually really good in it. Like, he's a fun foil to jared leto's morbius okay and then if you want to see tyrese scowling at the camera a lot he does that in i think every scene that he's in 
<laughs> he it seems like he may have practiced it a lot. He brought the scowl game for okay. sure. All right, good for him. I think I give it a two out of five on Letterboxd. So yeah, didn't hate. Definitely wasn't great. I'll give it a go sometime. Not bad enough to be nominated for. Um, can I speak to your manager award at the Broskers? But not good. All right, last thing, Nate. Uh, as we are recording here, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus is three episodes in. I believe as this drops, the fourth episode will have just been released. And like we said, we're planning on doing our full spoilers review when everything is is dropped, just sort of as a chess day, I think, on, on one of our episodes. So yeah, we won't get too deep into the weeds, but just your initial thoughts on this show so far. We've obviously been anticipating this even before it was announced, right? Like people have been clamoring for some way to return Ewan McGregor to this role and tell more Obi-Wan stories. And we've obviously loved The Mandalorian, and I know Boba Fett was kind of an up-and-down roller coaster for a lot of fans, but what have you thought so far now that we're somehow halfway through Obi-Wan already? Man, it's off to a great start. And out of any of the series, maybe just any of the Disney Plus series that we've watched so far, and since Disney Plus has come out, they've dropped fucking between uh, Star Wars and Marvel. Just say, what they dropped like five or six of them, something like seven, maybe. Oh yeah, at least quite a few. This has been the one, obviously, super highly anticipated. It's held up through the first three, and it's staying super consistent to keep my expectations up. And I, I know there's been some other series that have come out and said. I don't know exactly where this is going. I like it. Um, it has potential, blah, blah, blah. And we're kind of like justifying some of the things we don't necessarily like in it. This one, I love it. Um, three, three episodes. Um, there really haven't been too many complaints. And I, I love the direction it's going. I know, Horns, you brought this up whenever the first uh, two episodes drop. But it goes in a different direction than we thought. Um, yeah. But it's fantastic. And I love the direction they're going. Yeah, I, I would not have ever predicted Mm-mm. really the – the plot device here that they use. And it's great. Um, although there is, we'll get into this on the review. I believe there is a line in one of the original star Wars that is directly in contradiction with what happens in here. We can talk about it off pod. Yeah. I've actually needed to, I've, I've been to go Which back is and fine. Like research that, but we'll see. It's fine. Um, but dude, I'm loving it. Obi-Wan Kenobi, like where he's at in uh, his character's arc and sort of some of the revelations he has. And we've been keeping up with him since the prequels. It's just a, so much fun to see you and McGregor back in this role. I still feel I've been blown away through the first three episodes. Each one has, I think, progressively gotten better and more awesome to me. And I mm-hmm. still feel like the best is yet to come for this show. Yeah. Um, one thing that I and I think it's a product of the generation you and I are in. But as time has gone on, I have really come to find the prequels endearing. And mm-hmm. I think. So has the Star Wars community, I feel like. I mean, Hayden Christensen, who very unfairly and unjustly, but was once basically a pariah because of, you know, his quote-unquote portrayal of Anakin. Yeah. I think it was dialogue more than anything that he had no control over um, and was basically like shunned from the Star Wars community. Him coming back to this role and seeing the reception he got at Star Wars Celebration was basically like melted my heart. And... I'm so glad that he gets to reprise this role and that he wanted to and that fans have basically like done what we can do to apologize and be like, hey, we're sorry we were such fucking assholes. We were just mad initially with those movies. But now they're not great films 
by any stretch of the imagination, but they have a place in my heart, I feel like. Yeah, it's it's been interesting the past couple years seeing the the uh the 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 come around from from fans um and yeah justifiably to so i mean okay maybe the dialogue wasn't great maybe the portrayal wasn't great but like it it adds to the story you get a lot of background and there's a place for for those uh for those prequels when they when they came out and um yeah really happy to see the fans kind of rallying around uh hayden christensen to this point so hopefully he can um yeah, I was going to say something, but I don't want to spoil anything since we're mid-season. Yeah. So um, just over uh, – one of the things I will touch on, and I've said this to all the bros like off pod and everything, um, and dang, I don't have her name up right now. But the, uh, dang, I can't say it. Never mind. Can't even say that. God damn it. <laughs> Although your friend Tyler would uh, – <laughs> Oh, yeah, we have a friend who seven snapped minutes. us at seven minutes after midnight whenever it came out and said something and – a massive spoiler. Yeah. There's a new actress introduced, and I really like her character and I like her acting. She's doing a great job. I'll just say that. An incredible job, yeah. Incredible job. She's, I, actually I, saw, I, can't, I actually saw like, a tweet today. I won't spoil, obviously, the name of the character, but it says, move over, Grogu, because now it's so-and-so's time. <laughs> yeah. And, like, yeah, I was going to say something else, but I can't, I can't even, like, describe uh, why one of the main points why I like her character, but um, most of you out there have probably seen a couple episodes at this point, but we won't spoil it and we'll leave that to the end because there'll be, be plenty, plenty to talk about. Um, but w- one of the other interesting things, I things I will touch on before we move on is Obi-Wan is in a different state that we've never seen him be, be in like completely different yeah. mindset. Like uh, it's, it's almost unnerving. He's to be damaged. Honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is damaged and it's, it's interesting to see him um, and, and kudos to Ewan McGregor because he's making me feel it and he's making me a little uneasy, like the way his character is acting because it's so different than any reprisal we've seen of him so far. Um, or even like Obi-Wan's character in like Clone Wars or anything else. Um, there's a there's a lack of confidence, I'll say, that that had been there in the past. And like the uh, I guess I, that would kind of spoil some things too, but I know, you know it's like tough said, tiptoeing around. <laughs> it's, it's a new, there's a lot as an actor, if I'm him, there's a lot there to chew on. And mm-hmm. he's not reprising an Obi-Wan who's like, ah, well, we lost the clone wars, you know, fuck it. Like yeah. there he, he's dealing with some shit and it's, it's making for a very interesting watch. Yeah. Plus I uh, just think every ancillary character in this show, I'm, I'm digging, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've got a lot of uh, characters kind of on the fringe that are really adding to the story. Obviously, there's one main focus, um, but the people that they brought in and even some newer characters into uh, episode three are, are great. But uh, just overall, one through three out of all the series that have come on Disney Plus, highest expectations, and it's held up the best out of any of them so far. Yep, I agree. Um, all right. Brian is not here to make the bird squawking noise to introduce our last segment of the show, but it is our Do You Even Lift Bruh segment, which is the question and answer segment on the podcast where we ask a question that we discuss and then leave you with at home. Today, we're continuing our countdown of each of the bros top 100 movies of all time, our personally curated list of our favorite 100 films of all time. And Nate, as always, 
in case someone's joining us for the first time or in case they just need a refresher, how welcome. would you describe? Yeah, welcome. How would you describe each of these lists? Because as we always <clears> say, it's not the IMDb top 100. It's not Roger Ebert's top 100 films of all time. No, these are personal to each bro. So even amongst the five of us on the, the pod, um, they're going to differ widely, which um, Horns can probably point out with, with the list, just comparing someone's 75th to someone else's 75th or something like that. Um, but uh, these may have special moment, uh, may have brought to us in a special moment in our life. So it may mean something different to each one of us. Um, but it's our, our list, so we may have some that may be critically acclaimed and then an animated movie that only 10 people have seen, but it means something to us. So it's going to be all over the place. Yeah, I, I mean, Banners is always like the uh, <laughs> the yeah. one. Because Banner, and we love him for it, I wouldn't change it for the world, but he has at least the most balls when it comes to um, like putting together his his list. Like if he likes a movie, he's unabashed about it. He'll just put it in there. But for example, Banner had uh, the he had Jumanji on his list, but not the Robin Williams one. Uh, <laughs> Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and then Nate Thurman, for example, has The Great Dictator from 1940 somewhere on his list. So, yeah, which I'm sure a lot of people haven't seen. Um, Charlie Chaplin, go see it; it's fantastic. I'm trying to find where Jumanji. Oh yeah, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle is number 98 on Brian's list. 98 just cracked it still counts as akon would say all right nate you're up you you left off with your number 71 film of all time which is one that uh spoiler alert will be appearing somewhere on my list and it was the 2018 revelation of a film avengers infinity war that was your number 71 what is your number 70 movie of all time we're getting into Top 70 is, I mean, none of these are a fucking joke because, you know, to make these lists is a big deal. But top 70, man, this is it's pretty serious. Yeah. Um, so this is probably one of the more underrated Westerns that I know of. Um, but it corrects my, my top 100. Uh, and I'll just go ahead and jump into it. But The Quick and the Dead, um, which is a 1995 film with leo dicaprio gene hackman russell crowe sharon stone i have um, never heard of this movie what i know fuck? that's it's this crazy cast is awesome i know it's crazy how underrated this is and how big the cast is um you, you get a leo dicaprio before titanic in 1995 Jesus. um but i mean just a classic western um uh, the premise is they're having a basically a quick draw competition in in this uh in this town are we okay giving spoilers on a 1995 movie? <laughs> I think so, but if you don't want the quick... Uh, you know, since it is so well unknown, I think a lot of people can go back and watch it. Um, but there, there's a, a kind of a good twist um, coming into this, uh, dealing with Sharon Stone's character. Um, but going back to the basic premise, they have a quick draw competition, so... Yeah, they basically just go out in the middle of the street. They, it's kind of like an NCAA bracket. You go, oh, you're going up against you and you. All right, <laughs> shoot him up and see who comes out of it. Um, it starts off as whoever hits the guy, and then it quickly becomes um, through Gene Hackman's rule because he's, I think, believe he's the mayor in the movie. Um, and sorry, what time period does this take place in? Uh, I mean, it's probably like the 1880s, something like that. Okay. If I had to guess, I mean, just classic, classic Wild Wild West. Um, then he makes it to where 
you have to kill the person. So first person to die. Um, but man, I, and, and Tobin I, Bell is in it, who plays Jigsaw. Some yeah. Movies. Some uh, some good stuff. And Gary like Sinise. A, Damn. A, yeah. A young looking, very young looking Russell Crowe in this one as well. Back in back in 1995. Um, How the fuck have I never seen this? And this is one I think this kind of contributes to it, but I'll still go back and watch this. It's still, I think, a fantastic western. Um, it was on a lot like TNT. It was one of those classic ones that was on TNT, TBS a lot like growing up. So when it was all my dad was big into westerns, loved John Wayne, um, read a lot of western novels. Um, so it was one that he liked. It, w- it would be on. We'd turn it on. Um, so it would be one that I'd watched a ton growing up. So, yeah, like I said, kind of pre- prefacing into this top 100, it means something to me. Um, it has a little special place in my heart maybe a little closer than a lot of other people and that's why it's like underrated western maybe i'm blinded and it's not the greatest western but it makes my top one i don't know that cast I love it. it's crazy how as kids dude we could watch the same movie like 10 fucking times and oh I yeah no every beat this is on netflix right now i'm definitely gonna have to check this out there it is anyone out there hasn't seen it go watch it um it's got a six five on imdb so kind of middle of the road from from the rating stand standpoint but i think it holds up it's a pretty solid this is, this is like sharon stone sex symbol sharon stone too yeah i kind of played down since she's kind of a gunslinger in the wild west but still gets it done for me nice and also the one thing i will leave everyone with on this director sam raimi what yeah how about Jesus. that how You're about checking that? all the boxes right now <laughs> Yeah, I was My like, God. oh, wait, hold on. I had one more note I wanted to add in there. Same Let me look up the runtime of this thing. and uh, Hour 48. Oh, Jesus. I mean, we're sold. It got me under two hours also. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. There it is. Number 70, Quick and Dead. Uh, my number 70 is the movie that I let off uh, this show with a quote from, and that is the 2018 version of A Star is Born, starring... Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga, as I believe Zach Galifianakis would say, and I believe he's yes, directed by Bradley Cooper, directed by Bradley Cooper as well. I mean, for me, um, I had not seen the original one of these, um, but this movie is an absolute fucking heart wrencher and has an iconic, iconic soundtrack that. My wife and I will get drunk and just belt in our house. Um, and Nate, you have even learned how to play this. Many of the songs on acoustic guitar. So we'll, we've been known to have There's a few some, libations. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, these, these do well. I mean, in, in the movie, <clears throat> there's acoustic guitar com- accompanying it. So it does really well. Um, I need to go back and rewatch this. I've seen this once kind of around the time it came out. Um, yeah. I remember it's not an easy it. watch. Yeah, um, definitely not. Nope. Definitely not an easy watch, but yeah, Bradley Cooper really encompasses this role for sure. Yeah, but it was a movie that I remember affecting me, and I just felt like it emotionally connected perfectly. Sam Elliott is awesome in it. Did not know mm-hmm. Lady Gaga had that kind of acting chops. Um, and I think might have, in a lot of ways, caught lightning in a bottle, because I've heard in House of Gucci she's pretty bad. But this was her role, and just a nearly flawless film. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think it kind of 
it kind of goes along with what you're saying. Yeah, catching lightning in a bottle with her. There was enough of just, hey, this is a movie about an aspiring singer uh, who turns into a, a basically a rock star. And she's like, well, I mean, I, I can kind of live that role. So yeah. let me jump in there. Let me let me sing 50 percent of it. And I think we're good. Yeah. And of course, her vocal ability is, I mean, pretty unfathomably high. So, yeah. Stars Born, the 2018 version. I have not seen the. Who's in the original again? What's Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Still haven't seen that one. Yeah. Well, good. I like I like going through these too, so I can go back and revisit some of these. And I've got another list of my editable top 100. So who knows? This may move some things around. Yep. All right. Our favorite number, 69. Uh oh. So what is your number 69 movie of all time, Nate? 69. Um, this is one that I'm sure will be up on some fellow bros lists. Uh, banners especially, imagining it will be very high. But um, going back to the 90s, 1993, Jurassic Park. Yes. 69. Um, I mean, this, this is just one. Would you bet right now this is in everyone's list? Uh, it would have to be. I would, uh, that would be a safe assumption. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably like ten movies that I would say is in everyone's, and this is one of them. This is one. I mean, like a pillar, a the I don't know that the stone that holds the house up, or that's not even a good analogy. But for all of for all of us, I mean, it's just such a staple of our childhood coming out in 1993. Uh, the advancements in animatronics at the time like seeing like the dress i mean the, the tyrannosaurus wreck the raptors it was like i mean it was just a fantasy for all of us and even if you weren't that into dinosaurs i was relatively if you weren't before you yeah. were after you know yeah it, it just it brought fantasy to life for a lot of people um, that kitchen scene with the raptors iconic yeah i mean it, it just it brings in so many different elements i mean you're scared on the edge of your seat you want to piss your pants um during the famous t-rex scene when the water is shaking iconic absolutely um, iconic. and the but score then, yeah, the, if you i don't know if you come on already, sorry no and i i ramble all, all over the place on these i was hoping i was going to get to there at some point but yeah john williams i mean this is i mean in and of itself, I could put this in my top 100 just for the score and say, Correct. fuck the movie. I'm just going to talk about the score and how iconic it is and how recognizable it is. I mean, it's it's up there with any other thing with Star Wars. Um, you could, It's going to be, I don't know, maybe top three iconic scores. Also, ever. I never knew that a glass of water could elicit fear in my body until mm -hmm. this that scene where the, the glass is sitting there and it... Yeah, T-Rex is like in the water to shake. Yeah, it just brought on. Yeah, it was it was it was so next level um, with the animatronics film, and the CGI. Filmmaking can you know there are certain delineations in you know filmmaking and and the process of it. Yeah. And there's a clear delineation where there's everything before Jurassic Park and then everything after. That's a really good way of putting it. Mm -hmm. For sure, it just changed the game. Yeah, but. Um, I think I said on the last spot, I'm bad at kind of explaining sometimes why I like these movies, but I love it. Um, yeah, you don't, you don't have to justify it. I don't need to explain it too well because this is kind of just a no-brainer for being on there. 
And yeah, I double checked. This is definitely yet to come on my list. Yeah. As I would imagine. Sooner rather than later, though, I will say that. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Good stuff. And yeah, we will. I'm sure Banner has an easy way to. We have our top 100 list posted in the description of this podcast as well as on our website, broforsquad.com at the very top. But I'm sure Banner will have a way to be quickly search like which ones are repeating on our list because I would venture this is definitely one of the five or ten that we all have. I'd be shocked. Yeah, we'll have to double. Yeah, that'll be a fun game to kind of play at the end. See like the cross cross referencing and see what a crossover we have on all these. Yeah. All right, my number sixty nine is the first Star Wars movie to make its appearance on my list. I won't tell you how many I have or which one is the highest. This one is, I don't think it will be argued by anyone on this podcast, and that is Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Seen as one of the best sequels ever in a lot of people's eyes. Yes, one of, uh, I think for me, the first time that I ever saw a twist in a movie. Yeah, it, it, it's funny, we're, as we were talking about Top Gun earlier, and I mentioned Star Wars, and it kind of sucks being in first world problems. Being in this generation, and like having Star Wars come out before, it's like a lot of that stuff, it just gets spoiled, so you never have that first yeah. iteration of seeing that in a theater or knowing or not knowing that's coming and, and, and finding out. Um, so even like going back and like watching some of the other ones, is kind of tough, like getting in the right mindset to kind of forget some things, you know? Um, yeah. What was that theater experience like when people like couldn't read about it on the internet beforehand? Well, know? I think we talked about this a while back, maybe in the past year or so. Um, but banner, uh, his uncle, they've actually had this conversation because oh. there was some question or something that got brought up. And that, that was banner's answer is he would love, he would have loved to have been in the theater back in the eighties when that happened, because yeah. his uncle said that was so like, mind-blowing like being there and actually seeing it happen yeah that would have been and i think it came out like the last day of school for some people like Mm. in may so imagine starting your summer with the revelation that spoiler alert vader is luke's father yeah insane like what the fuck and then the way it ends i think at the time people did not know if han solo was dead or not like they thought the carbonite might have killed him i think yeah yeah uh yeah that's a good point i'm sure a lot of people uh, we're kind of up in the air on that. Um, yeah, you get you get a lot. You, you get a brief in, introduction to uh, Boba Fett, um, the much aligned bounty hunter. <laughs> we didn't we didn't get much of him until again until recently. <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know back then if how prevalent this was. It's because it's not that much now. But like, how often do movies end essentially on a downer? I mean, Luke gets his hand chopped off, and then he gets mm-hmm. replaced, but. Han is presumably dead or captured. Like, Vader basically won. They're rebuilding the Death Star. Like, at the time, things looked pretty bleak when that film ended. Um, Infinity War, as you had on your list, you know, at 71, obviously, like, took that and said, hold my beer. But yeah, very rare for movies, especially like Summer Blockbusters at the time, to end with sort of a an emotional downturn. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Um, yeah, probably doesn't happen too often. They obviously probably had the groundwork laid for the next one to come out, but um, I'm not I'm not sure how much time was uh, between that and the next movie. But yeah, probably. And that, that was a time when you didn't have the internet; you couldn't like communicate with a ton of people at no, I didn't know at a moment's notice. So um, 
God, I can only imagine like the yearning that left for for the audience and for the Star Wars fans at the <laughs> at the time. Yeah, like to get your news, I don't know. You'd have to like subscribe to like a magazine or something. I don't know. <laughs> get something mailed to you. Weekly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But yeah. All right, so yeah, at 69, Empire Strikes Back. I'm sure, again, I don't know if this one will be on everybody's list, but another good chance that it pops up on all. Uh, Yeah, I would I would think so. All right, last one we're going to do tonight, number 68. Nate, what is just barely edging out Jurassic Park on your list at number 68? All right. Um, jumping in at 68 uh, is The Prestige. 2006 Ooh. Christopher Nolan. Um, man, I watch, rewatched this. Speaking of good twists. Yeah, I rewatched this within the past year or so. Um, but man, I, I, I just, yeah, really great twist. I really love this one. This is kind of like a early Christopher Nolan we got um, coming out right before Batman Begins. Uh, Sorry, this was number 79 on my list. 79. Okay, I don't think it was on the episode. Well, great. Then we can talk about this, and you can probably have some good insight, too, on this one. Uh, but yeah, great twist. Dark twist. Uh, oh, yeah. Realizing how this has been able to happen for so many uh, for so many acts. Um, and there's a couple small, subtle things I like about this, too, as well. I don't know why, but it's just fun, like, pulling in a real historical character in Tesla – um, when yeah. a lot of the saying those things that are happening are not realistic, but it kind of plays into the ele- electricity aspect that he was toying with at the time. Um, it, it, that's a fun thing to, to bring in. You kind of, you can kind of toy with it. Um, it's not like a documentary or anything or very historically accurate movie, but, um, just bringing him in and, and kind of having them play and riff off of that is, is a lot of fun. And then it's always, it's always cool when a movie does this little little tropey trick as well. But near the end, they go back through scenes and they show you like, oh, this is where this happened. This is where this happened. And they kind of unfold the trickery that they played. And you right. go back and actually and show see you like, like little breadcrumbs they had laid that's, earlier. And like it's not verbatim, but like scene for scene, like, oh, we actually saw this earlier. And so they're actually unfolding it like before your eyes and like, oh, shit, we saw that. It's not like a smoke and mirrors trick or anything you actually put this in the movie um the audience overlooked it because it thought it was insignificant um and then it ends up playing out um that way in the end um but yeah overall uh, i mean the twist really holds this one together um i mean you got a great cast you got christopher nolan it's gonna be tough to tough to beat that um rebecca ferguson i think is the first thing that i saw her in she's incredible in this Mm -hmm. um it's tough to talk about it without spoiling the twist, but it definitely has you thinking, I'll just say that anything is possible before the twist. Like it definitely sets up multiple things that you're like, I could believe this is happening. And I'll be honest, what it ends up revealing to be the truth is not one of the things that I was considering. No, no. And I think it adds an extra layer and this won't be a spoiler. I don't think, but like how kind of how dark and twisted it is. And like, (laughs) what this character goes through on a nightly basis. <laughs> I'll say <Yeah>. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, it's, uh, and, very, and I mean, and visually too, I mean, Nolan had like kind of started to establish his, his 
visual style, but there's some mm-hmm. really cool shots in this. Like that scene with all the light bulbs where he's like in the snow. Yeah. Is like mind blowing to look at. Yeah. This, I know this came out, this came out after the dark Knight, right? Like pretty close to it. Uh, it came out right before the dark Knight. Okay. Wait, hold on. Yeah. So Nolan had like, he was definitely like kind of new kid on the block in terms of Hollywood, but this was the thing where he was like, Oh damn. So this guy is not just about Batman. Like he's got a little more to him. Yeah. Yeah. I think a second ago I said it came out before Batman begins, but yeah, it came out right before the, the dark Knight. Um, it was after Batman begins had, had come out. Um, but yeah, yeah, it does it does a great job with the visuals as well, and it's always it's always funny like going back and rewatching like seeing all the top hats like scattered about, and then reflecting on what all those top hats are, and then how it plays into the the twist and everything. Right, the top hat budget must have been <laughs> unlimited, unlimited. <laughs> I do care. not envy the costume designer for the prestige. Like Jesus Christ, how many top hats we need? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, this kind of set up for a, a love and appreciation for Christopher Nolan going going forward into his other endeavors. Yep. A lot of characters in it, actually I think every main character has a role in some superhero movie. Because Rebecca Ferguson's in Iron Man 3, obviously Hugh Jackman is Logan, we have Christian Bale and Scar Joe, Michael Caine's Alfred. So. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of connections there. Great one. Um, all right. Last one of the night. Let's hear it. I, I go back to 2018 with my Ooh. number 68 film of all time. Cycling, I did a review one. on this when it came out. I cannot tell you how much I love this movie. I'm actually kind of surprised it's this low. It's the 2018 screen life thriller Searching, starring John Cho. I now, have not seen this. All right. So I'm, are you familiar with what a screen life movie is? Now inform me. So it's basically told through in real time through like a computer screen. So like the unfriended movies or screen life movies where it's like a Skype call that they record and film. Okay. So that is the, the method of searching. It's a very short movie. It is an, Oh, I guess it's an hour 42, but it, it flies by. Yeah. The premise is, John Cho is a father who's, and this is revealed in the first five minutes, so this isn't a spoiler, but his wife passed away due to cancer a few years ago, and he has a teenage daughter. And uh, one night his teenage daughter is out. He gets three missed FaceTime calls from her in the middle of the night. And the next morning he is unable to locate her and he finds her laptop in the kitchen and uses it to retrace her steps. And he stumbles upon some very startling information. And it's about him. It's all told through him going through her computer, trying to trace where she possibly could have been the night before and what possibly could have happened to her. Hmm. And let me just say this. Ah, no, that'll be too big of a spoiler. Let's just say... uh. There are twists. That's all I'll say. There are twists. <laughs> not, not a singular one. <laughs> not a singular one. Huh. Yeah, I'm looking at this one right now. This seems pretty intriguing. Deborah Messing in it. Yeah, Deborah Messing plays an FBI agent who works in like cybersecurity who he's who who is helping him. 
Um, and this was a movie, I think I saw this in cycling. I again did a spoilers review on this back in 2018, but I saw it in theaters with him and I audibly think he and I yelled, Oh shit. <laughs> in the theater when one of the things is revealed. So it's not scary, but dude, it is like, you'll be on the edge of your seat with this. Like it, and it's just the screen life. I, I get, it's not for everybody, but I think it as a director, it just, it leaves a lot of ways for you to be creative, like lots of things you can do. Now I know it's, it's limiting. It obviously has its limitations in a lot of ways. Like you're set in one locale, but there's just a lot of like fun, cool ways that you can uh, hide things from the audience and then reveal things to the audience that are all taken advantage of in this. Yeah. I'm all for that kind of new innovative ways of showing movies and, and telling stories. And one of the things I'm just looking at this right now, uh, You've got me intrigued. I'm going to have to find this and watch this because the director was also a writer on the movie Run, which I know we have both seen. Oh, yeah. Which we both enjoyed. Huh. Okay. Yeah, if you can find this somewhere, I would highly recommend it. And you can watch it with the wife because it's not scary. My wife loved it. I don't Um, like scary movies either, so I can watch it with myself. (laughs) Yeah, because I know the when I say screen life, the unfriended are like straight up horror movies. Like there's like a jump scares and then this is not like that the the fear is really de- not the fear but like the thrills are really derivative of like you trying to sort of figure this thing out yeah. as her dad as her dad is sort of figuring things out also i'm not a parent yet but the horror of going through your teenage daughter's laptop in general was <laughs> yeah like what, what might i find <laughs> yeah yeah probably probably not the probably not the best so searching from searching. 2018 I'm wondering if this will be on Cycle's list as well. I think it's got huh. a shot. I'm intrigued to find out. 7.6 on IMDb, not too shabby. Yeah, for a screen life movie where it's, I feel like the way that the story's being told is inherently pretty polarizing, like 25% of people are just going to be like, I'm not going to fuck with that. Yeah, right pretty, pretty underrated. Just looking at, I mean, there are only 159,000 reviews, which is pretty low. Um, so looks like it looks like a good underrated one right here. Yeah, if you check it out, would love to have an on-pod discussion about it. Awesome. So, all right. That's all I got. Is that all you got, Nate? That is it. Before we let the people go for episode 185, what advice, what wisdom can you impart on them? Um, I don't I, I don't think this has been imparted um, lately. We're, we're going to go off the uh, traffic scene. I know we have a lot of, a lot of uh, driving or, or traffic tips, but yeah. um, we're, we're going to go back to a – uh, about a month ago and we're gonna kind of impart some some knowledge that me and horns revisited be careful mixing your alcohol um mm. you may you may have a bad experience Go, make sure you you kind of stick to one or two per night um from personal experience um you, you don't want to go all day drinking wine and then switch to whiskey and seltzers and not saying that we did do that but we did no and then beers <laughs> as well and then uh had a had an interesting night to follow. So, you know, just uh, learn from our mistakes. I felt like I was the cast <laughs> of Titanic, like I was poisoned. I felt like I was dying. So I, my Fitbit charted that I had 1,200 steps that day, which to me even seemed high. But the crazy thing was I had 14 minutes of screen time on my phone that whole day after with the hangover. <laughs> Which is, that's how dead I was. I do 14 minutes, like, right when I wake up. Yes, I do 14 <laughs> minutes, like, before I piss. 
<laughs> and that whole day, I was just face down, either in my bed or in the toilet. Yeah, it's one of those times where you have you have you have a stuffy nose, then your nose is unstuffed, and you don't realize how great it has is having an unstuffed nose until it's unstuffed. I've I've it was one of those times where I have a new appreciation on life. Yeah, my my <laughs> after going through that. My gratitude for the times that I'm well has increased tenfold since. Yes. Count, count our blessings. What do so you I'll got just for second us? what Nate said, but I'll also say what I always say. When you're going to get your hair cut, just make smart decisions. There's a time in life where it pays off to take risks, and I don't think the barber's chair is one of them. Maybe you'll get lucky, but I doubt it. I know it's not permanent, but it's, it's going to last you five weeks. Take risk when you're trying a new Oreo flavor or... There we go. Or trying a new Doritos flavor. Not not when you're uh, fucking with your, your livelihood on top of your head. Also, another piece of advice, the little poster they have at the barbershop that has like all the hairstyles. You don't look like that person, so you're no, not going to look like that person. They're a, mo- they're a model for a reason. Exactly. So hot. It's fake. <laughs> all right. For the American hero, Nate Thurman... I am the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. We are the Bro4Squad Podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Follow us on Twitter at Bro4Squad. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and Letterboxd. You type in Bro4Squad as three separate words and check out everything that we've posted on our website at Bro4Squad.com. Till next time, we'll see you at the meetings. That's all. Perfect. Any more we have to pay for the coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's we'll keep to that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>